calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this. Riders and welcome to 2024. No, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the flow. I'm Doc Rock, your uh, host, co-host, whatever the heck you call this thing, and uh, my awesome co-host. Hey everyone, I'm Katie. Oh, that was the best. That's the way to kick off the whole brand new year, new outfit yeah. version of the flow. How was your holiday seasonings? Case. Oh, by the way, oh. nice flow color sweater. I just realized. Thank you. I got this one for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> we were sitting back here the last 20 minutes and warm up and somehow I just paid attention. Flow, flow very, purple. Very cool. My holiday was awesome. I hope everyone else had a great, um, a great holiday and some time to hopefully take it easy a little bit. It was, we've been on hiatus since Thanksgiving. So we've been up to all kinds of fun stuff here for the flow. Do you have the uh, same amount of chickens? I have the same amount of chickens. Yes, I'm still at 11 okay. chickens. So we're okay right, so far. Stupid raccoons. All right. So <laughs> guys, um, we have, if you're if you're a full listener, you're catching this on the replay, we have updated the uh, website thanks to Katie and PodPage. And it looks pretty dope. I am so excited about the new page. Yeah, it's got a ton of features and we're still adding new stuff. So definitely check it out. Flow.ecam.com. Let us know if there's anything that we're missing or it's a great place to be able to submit questions. You can see all past episodes. You can really kind of get everything in one spot. You can leave reviews, super easy now. Just like click to leave a review, really obvious. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who's left us a review so far. Um, but yeah, new look, new amazing graphics. How, Thanks how to Marshall. How do you Marshall. leave a voicemail? You it's just like click right, the button and it, 
And it just records you? It records and it sends it right to us. So um, yeah, it's super fun. Please someone do it so that I can listen to them. I tested it to make sure it works. So I know it works, but I think it's going to be really you're fun. Get, you're going to get a voicemail that says, Katie, this is Maestro. Can you tell the old man <laughs> to stop streaming and, and be my friend? And it's like, uh, I'm, I'm oh, up for you it. Forgot, I'm, Paul's, I'm Paul's cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm up for it. I think that's amazing. Oh, thanks. Rick Rick is watching in our live studio audience and said that he just left a review. So thank you so much. And just a reminder, thanks, if you're Rick. if anyone's new before we jump into today's topic, we do record this live on YouTube. It is literally one of the original concepts of this show is to show that you can live record your podcast and it makes a really fun experience. So if you want to come and hang out and get to ask questions and be part of the crew, part of the flow riders, you can always hang out with us. We record live on Tuesdays at 12 PM Eastern on YouTube. Alrighty. So today's topic is what is or what are, <laughs> is it is or are BM is our word bin. What are YouTube RSS feeds? Well, because you did make it for you said feeds. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do this at I'm in this year. I'm going to try to be nice to you guys. Uh, however, sometimes <laughs> I just say things that are factual and people take it personal. And I'm like, listen, these are the facts. Okay. I'm only going to give you facts at the, when I say it's opinion, I will specify it as opinion. My opinions are normally factual because I don't really like opinions all necessarily. Uh, that, that's an opinion. Wait, that's stupid. Anyway, <laughs> I, I prefer to live in the world of facts. Like, I try not to get attached to things in tech. I learned this a long time ago. People attach themselves to things in tech, and then when it changes, people lose their, their sauce. Like, they legit lose their sauce. And a long time ago, you might remember, there was a book called Who Moved My Cheese? Mm -hmm. I actually read that a lot because I never wanted to be one of those people that would always panic when there's a change. I'm not like if they canceled ham and Manchego at Bakehouse, I'm not going to cry about it. We <laughs> might have a cow, but I'll be good. I got other <laughs> things I could eat. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Luis. Um, that's not foreshadow. It's not foreshadow. It's just what it is. Uh, okay. So I guess we should start out what an RSS feed is. Yes. And what this is, is an RSS why. feed? This is why this is funny. I want you to hold that thought. If you have a chance to take a note, just write down the question. What is an RSS feed? So two things I'm going to posit to the studio audience right now is, do you already know what an RSS feed is? Yes. And then the second question, do you have an RSS reader? Yes or no? So put either Ooh. YY or YN or NN or what the heck are you talking about, Doc? Right? <laughs> so the first question is, do you know what an RSS feed is? Mm -hmm. Throw a Y and then right next to it, don't make a separate line because I won't be able to know the difference. Do you have an RSS reader? Do you use an RSS reader? Put YY or YN or yeah, I'm curious. I'm super curious because it'll make all the difference. Anyway, so uh, RSS basically is a RDF format. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this non-nerdy. RSS just basically means a, a real, a real time syndication. Uh, mm -hmm. Man, I see even I forgot what the proper terminology is for it. <laughs> anyway, uh, real simple syndication. Real, simple, real syndication. simple syndication. Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean, Katie? 
It means that, oh man, you're gonna have me English major. It, it, it means that it takes your content, in this case, audio, and it sends it out on a regular schedule to all the places where people can listen to it. Oh, so when we update an article on the Ecamm support oh, site. Oh, fair, yeah. It is more than just audio. So it's, co it's content. It takes a content that you are posting or creating and sends it out according to your schedule to the places that you define. There you go. <laughs> okay. Although in now, this particular instance, we are talking specifically about audio. <laughs> but go ahead. Okay. So it's actually media in this particular right. case. Technically okay. not supposed to be audio, but this is what happens. So the reason why I posited the question and I'm, I'm seeing some of the answers coming in and I am seeing a lot of people that are yes, with no. the yes, yes, they yeah. know what it is, but no, they don't have an RSS reader. Mm -hmm. RSS, real simple syndication, is exactly what it says it is. And Katie kind of described it. March 15th, 1999, RSS was invented. We are talking in three months, a 25-year-old tech. 25. Okay? Mm -hmm. This tech is as old as most of y'all wish you were again. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what it did was, like Katie said, if I was writing a blog, right, when blogs came out, Everybody had to read, you know, not had to, everybody wanted to read a whole bunch of blogs, right? So back in the day, there was a real good, like, semi-fantasy hilarious writer by the name of Violet Blue. She was one of the first ones that was writing, like, you know, erotica stuff. But it was, everybody read it because nobody was really doing that online, even though you weren't going to get in trouble for doing it online. It was just a trip that she did it. And then you had people writing blogs about Mac stuff, right? So as a tech writer, I would set up an RSS feed to go through whatever Renee posted, whatever Leo posted, whatever Alex posted, you know, Alex Lindsay, um, I'm just naming my friends, but you guys may or may not know them. Uh, Merlin Mann, Daring Fireball, Engadget, when it was brand new, it was just JTOP or Topolsky, like you have an RSS feed that would have all the articles from all the guys that wrote about Mac tech. So mm -hmm. I could open up an RSS reader and read the whole list at one time and be like, Renee's article is stupid. Not going to read that. I'm joking, Renee. <laughs> or, but I would just go down the line and, and like quickly see the headlines of all of the guys who were writing articles that day. And I would read what was important, right? That from that, I would throw a story to my editor and be like, hey, I got a story. Uh, Matt from Awesome Wood Things has this brand new project, and I think everyone's going to love it. Let me write about this. I'm going to call him up, set up an interview. Uh, I'll feed it into the back end within the next three hours. And he'd be like, okay, oh, by the way, Elgato has a shortage on prompters. Can you cover that too? And I was like, bet, who's our contact at Elgato? And he would be like, oh, you got to hit up Michelle. She's in Germany, so call her now. All right, cool. So we would do that, and then we end up with two stories that day from me and there's like six of us or eight of us. And so our page, when you would go there, would have all of these articles. Now, our readers would subscribe to TUAW on their RSS feed so they could know the stuff that you want. And it made it so that I could ignore talks about Xbox and PlayStation because I already had that. 
right? I can only pay attention to stuff about marketing nor PC stuff. Or I can, you know, it was basically a way to follow what you follow. Yeah, to curate your content and to get reminders. Yeah. So the death of RSSV came from applications like Flipbook. You guys remember Flipbook was an iPad app and still is an iPad app, I believe, that basically when you open up your iPad, it kind of looked like a magazine and you had all the articles you want to read in a magazine format made for you. And it slowly started to go away. Why? Because I guess, do you still read any blogs, Katie? Do I still read any blogs? Not, I, I do, but I only, I don't go to any blogs looking for content. I read them if someone sends me a link or if I'm out on social media and I find a link somewhere that, that piques there my interest. It is. And I bingo, guess I do bango, look at Apple mango. news. So like there, if, if it comes to me, then I, then, and it's of interest, then I read it. So that was my point in, a, in our studios, our scientifically curated studio <laughs> poll, everybody's second answer was no, 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 yeah. no. No skipping ahead, Murray. This whole show is for you, so you have no choice but to sit here and listen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Murray. And the reason for that, like, in order for RSS to be effective, you have to honestly trust that people are going to read everything that you put out. So the reason why RSS is still alive, but technically dead, is the society doesn't work like that anymore. Now, when you go to Instagram and you open up, there's a bunch of articles in a row. What is that thing called? Mm-hmm. Right? It's called the feed. Mm-hmm. When you open TikTok yeah. and you FYP is a feed. When you open mm-hmm. YouTube, your YouTube suggestions, we say, oh, this popped up in my feed. Where do you suppose that word came from, fam? It came from RSS feed. Yep. Right? So the reason why RSS doesn't matter and people needed to let it, the the stuff go, no no opinions, just facts. The reason why RSS is not as important as it is anymore, all of the applications that we actually absorb content in do it for you automatically. Because with the exception of nerds, me, journalists, me, and podcasters, me, and podcasters, nobody yeah. knew what the hell an RSS feed was, is, why it works, how it works. To this day, 25 years later, if I ask 300 people what is an RSS feed, three of them will know the right answer. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like 1% of the population knows what an RSS feed is. It is nigh important. And the reason why everybody wants it is because all the old podcast talking language that's out there talks about the need to have an RSS feed because that's sort of how the podcast system works. But it's not for your users. So this is my question. So this is my question for you. And this is why we're talking about this today. So currently... A podcast host, so a, a Captivate or Spotify, if you're using Spotify, they require 
is that the right word? They require an RSS feed to be able to send to distribute your podcast from wherever it is that you create it out to all of the different podcast players of the world. That's correct? No. They create an RSS feed. They don't require Ah, a jack. They create it for you. This is where you get your RSS feed from. Right? So, okay, here's a prime example. A large portion of the population that has Xfinity Mm -hmm. has distributed sharing internet so that means that your house would share your Wi-Fi to people in your neighborhood if you yep. didn't remember to turn it off. Mm-hmm. So that way, people that are on mobile that have Xfinity service can get that good mobile Wi-Fi wherever they go, right? Yep. And unless you unless you remember to turn it off, it's not there. So. That's what our when you sign up for your podcast host, Captivate in our case or wherever, they generate the RSS feed for you. So they have a button that says hit this and your show will end up on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Most people that have a podcast don't even understand that. They mm-hmm. don't even realize that what happened is your implementation generated an RSS feed. Yeah. It's kind of like electricity in your home. You have it. You don't know what a 240-volt AC or DC circuit is. You have them. You use them. Every day you turn on the dryer or the stove, but you don't really know what it is. And that's mm-hmm. RSS feed is sort of like that. It's almost like a utility section of a website, right? Like I'm seeing Rich say he just turned on RSS feeds for his website, which yeah. is cool. You don't have to really turn it on. Every web host automatically has it. If you have WordPress, you have an RSS feed. If you have Squarespace, mm-hmm. you have an RSS feed. You don't really need to turn them on. They sort of happen automatically. But when you turn them on, it's not going to do anything for you, just to be honest about that. I just want you to know. It doesn't well, really do anything for you. What is handy, though, about it is that it is helping... So for example, so we just switched over to PodPage for our podcast website and we got up and running and a tool like PodPage, which is specifically designed to help podcasters create podcast websites. I used our RSS feed, which I got, you know, the link for, and I dropped that into our PodPage and what's helpful there. So again, like I think RSS feeds is, it's important for people to understand how they work and it's important to know where the benefits are. So adding it into our PodPage will actually generate all, every time we upload a new episode. So we take, you know, we're creating a new episode right now, live on YouTube. We're grabbing that video file and the audio files and we're sending it through to Captivate. Every time that Captivate takes it, creates the RSS feed and sends it out, it's also adding it to our website so that we don't need to worry about constantly going in and updating our website with the new episodes. It's actually also, PodPage is also taking that feed and sending out through Twitter and through Instagram, et cetera, to be like, hey, new episode out. So that all of you know where, you know, know that we have a new episode out without needing for us to do a lot of additional work. And so that is definitely beneficial. And if Rich, if that's what you're doing, I think that, you know, that's also, I think, helpful. So it, I think it's good to understand. I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands that's a different thought, right? That's a completely different thought. And that's yep. correct. So that's the syndication. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what the second yep. S is for. That is the yep. level of syndication we're talking about. When you post something on your site, there's other sites that can aggregate that for you. So it used to be yep. there were directory sites like uh, Yahoo, 
right? And so having an RSS yeah. feed on a site like Alltop or, you know, most of these things are dead now. And again, we'll get to why. Yeah. They were a way to sort of help you, quote unquote, spread your thing. That's what syndication is. You know, Oprah started out in Chicago. Yeah. And then as she got more popular, other cities could see her, but they would syndicate her show nationwide. Now there's shows that are syndicated worldwide. That's what it was. It's literally syndication. Now, let's yeah. bring it back to Murray's question that started this episode. Has YouTube enabled RSS feeds? No. They have not. And everyone no. got the article. They got excited. It says, I will read you the headline, YouTube launches <laughs> RSS upload tool for podcasters. YouTube launches yeah. an RSS upload tool for podcasters. That's the actual headline. And everybody goes, a whole bunch of people grabbed the headline and rewrote theirs because you can't copy headlines directly. It says, YouTube launches RSS feeds. No, they did not. They just made it so that you can import your podcast via RSS feed to YouTube. Yeah, it. Uh, I totally was that person that like quickly read the headline and was like, oh, interesting, and and shared it out. So that's probably why many of you have been asking questions. But I do think I think having this discussion is important because it is important to remember that RSS feeds are incredibly helpful in the podcasting space as it pertains to sending predominantly the audio of your podcast out to all of the podcast players. YouTube still functions the same way that they have since they launched podcasts, which is you need to either live stream your podcast, like what we're doing right now, and add that into a podcast playlist, or upload your video into a podcast playlist on YouTube. And that is how they are syndicating it out through YouTube. It, there is no RSS feed through YouTube. But now you can upload, you can add your RSS feed into YouTube, which is probably a really silly thing to do, right? Because that's only pulling in the audio because the only place right now that has video is Spotify. Yeah? No. Other than YouTube? <laughs> No, there's uh, uh, there's thousands of places that you can get video pi podcasts on. Before Spotify was born, myself, Leo, all of the Twit people, we all did video Apple. podcasts. You can get yeah. video podcasts directly at Apple, yeah. right? You can get video podcasts directly on Feed Reader, uh, Feed Syndicate, any actual RSS reader. But again, nobody knows what that is because hmm. it was it was a, something that us nerds knew. So. Uh, your Apple News thing that you get on your phone is also that. So yep. like I said, the real thing in an mm -hmm. RSS feed is the media update. There's a media tag. And if you read any of your podcast aggregator mm -hmm. sites, when they talk about what must you have, you got to have the owner, you got to have the media tag, and there's some other things that are in there. That's what that was for. So it would tell the podcast player uh, what's a video podcast, what's not. And so you'll be all oh, video podcasts are new. no. We've been creating video podcasts since like 2009, Pim. Like you just learned about it. So it's, it's again, this is why it's confusing. But what, so I guess what's. Because Spotify went yeah. out, opened yeah. up their zipper. It, is, it and is, was like, we make video podcasts. No, you don't Spotify. You lie and you confuse everybody. <laughs> I think it's because a lot of the, well, I shouldn't say that. So, so the, I would say like the main couple of podcast hosts that I, that at least I'm familiar with and maybe people are familiar with more are Captivate and Spotify, right? And the main difference between the two is that Captivate is audio 
only and obviously has a ton of other amazing features, which is why we hang in there, even if they're audio only. Whereas you can go into Spotify and upload your full video and then it's going to send it through as a video file to Apple and to Spotify so that it plays in the podcast player as a video. Whereas YouTube still, you have to, you have to upload it into YouTube for it to show up as a video into YouTube music podcasts and YouTube yeah. itself. I, I, I think I want to, I want to fix this and, and, and here's, here's what it is. Like, here's what it really is. So t- what you're saying is, is semi-correct. Um, yes, the, <laughs> I'll take my semi correct. All right. Well, no, because see, you're going by, you're going by what you see now, and so as it is, the veritas is based on what you see now. We yeah. completely skipped gangsters like Libsyn and Buzzfeed, yeah, and like the the OGs that's been around for years. Spotify's sure. still a baby, and they yeah. came, they they pulled in America. They came in yeah. and acted like they knew everything, and they don't know jack, and they're still doing it wrong. And yeah, they're kind of irritating because they gave everybody false pretenses because even their video feeds were only working for Spotify users. Yeah. So if I'm not a Spotify user, it's not even that beneficial. So they semi did what Apple did with podcasts. iPod came out. Everybody thought podcasts and iPods were related. So everybody Mm -hmm. thought Apple did it. And nobody bounced on that for like two years. So Apple generated the easiest RSS syndication things through iTunes podcast. When they made an official podcast app, now that's where you do your reviews. That's where you submit your fi- your podcast when you first come up to plate and you want to let everybody know who you are. You got to be on Apple. Everybody else is an afterthought. Apple is the most important. <laughs> They just came in and be like, if no one's going to dance floor first, I'm a dance floor first. And that's what happened. <laughs> Prior yeah. to that, we were all dancing in the corner by ourselves, smoking, minding our own business, posting our podcast literally years before Apple switched on the Apple podcast thing that we all know and love today. Literally yeah. years. I think well over five, six years of podcasting before Apple did it. And now everybody thought it was Apple. When Spotify came in, because a bunch of Android people didn't have Apple iTunes and such of that, all the Windows people, they started getting confused to think podcast was only for Mac people because you needed iTunes. We had iTunes for Windows from day one, but nobody knew that, right? Yeah. So Spotify comes in and they're like, well, we're going to pick up from like the, the Windows and Android side and just let everybody know. And that's how they got where they are. But they was lying the whole time. All of the things that we're all talking about, there's thousands of podcast readers. I used Castro before, uh, FeedBurner. I use something called Snipped right now. I don't even use Apple Podcast Player. Most people don't even use the built-in podcast player that came with your phone. A lot of hardcore podcast listeners download a specific podcast app, right? Yeah. Now, this is where we get into that 10, 20%. The hardcore podcast listeners is 10, 20%. The mm-hmm. general population uses what's built into their phone, AKA yep. Apple Podcasts or Google Play Podcasts, whatever the heck it's called. Which is uh, gone now. So th- <laughs> yeah. Which is absolutely gone now, right? Yeah. So the first thing is yes, YouTube has allowed you to import your old podcast directly into the YouTube playlist, which is beneficial in the sense of. Katie and I started while this was happening. 
So we don't really need to go back and get all of our old episodes and bring them because we started putting all of our old episodes there because one of us knew that YouTube was eventually going to do podcasts. So we already have it. However, if you're like Murray, who posited the question that generated this episode, he might have (laughs) hundreds of old shows. So this is where efficiency and ego can absolutely screw up everything. (laughs) The whole point of taking your RSS feed from your old show and throwing Mm. it into the YouTube RSS import or RSS uploader is so that you can bring your previous three, 400 episodes to YouTube to be in that same playlist with your new, new, new. Yeah. Why did I say the ego part? Because you assume that your stuff is dope enough that someone's going to go into your back catalog and listen to um, words I'm not supposed to say this year. You said back in 2015, right? Yeah. You think somebody wants to hear what you had to say four years ago? So yeah, you would need to have a pretty, like a pretty evergreen show and your focus would need to be on leveraging YouTube as discoverability in order for you to want to do that. So for example, my show and I started on YouTube, so it wouldn't be relevant to me in this case, but my show, which is a movie review podcast where we're reviewing movies from the eighties and nineties, I could upload past episodes if I wanted to, I might not want to upload all of them because maybe some of them were crap and I've gotten a lot better at the actual quality and content of the show itself. But technically I could upload, if I had a huge back catalog, I could upload it all to YouTube if I wanted to improve the visibility and just the using YouTube as a search engine, basically to be able to get new viewers and listeners, because my show would always be relevant to anyone joining who wants to just be nostalgic and learn more about movies from the past. But our show, for example, it probably wouldn't be a good idea because we have episodes from a couple of years ago, or I guess a year and a half ish ago since we're <laughs> at that point. Right? That it, it's crazy, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, but those, but you know, those episodes are probably not at all relevant. You know, like our takeaways from 2022 are not going to be even kind of relevant to people on YouTube because we're talking specifically about tech and things change so quickly. I think that's important. I, I, I'm glad that you allowed me to do this episode, Doc, because I do think that even though I feel like I generally understood what an RSS feed did and what and how it worked with podcasts. I do think it's important to like think through why YouTube did that and get past just the, like I did scanning quickly the title and think about what, what that actually means for you and if you should do that or not. So like, again, in our case, doesn't make sense for us to do it. We started on YouTube. Even if we didn't, it wouldn't make sense for this show to do it. Maybe your show does, you know, maybe Maury's show where he's, you know, they're playing music and they're, chatting back and forth about things that I, you know, have been out for a while. It, maybe it doesn't really matter. And it would be worthwhile for someone like Maury to bring his show on. Yeah, but. Well, in a way, I think Maury would be okay because he's often talking about guitars and yeah, exactly. those stuff is like classic guitars, like when it's they not came dated, out, whatever, yeah. but yeah. it's not necessarily dated. So it depends on what your show is. But first of all, I got to send a mad shout out to Danny B because Danny's in the house. Aloha, Danny. Hey, Danny. And, and here again, a lot of people are going to want to do it because they think that's going to odd. I think the belief is, is automatically going to get you more listeners. Yeah. Um, which is not one the of the reasons why everybody <laughs> wanted to be syndicated in the first place because they thought it was going to expand their reach. I mean, syndication in general is somewhat of an ego play, yeah. right? Now, if you're, if you're making content that's healing the world 
and you're solving problems, it doesn't count, right? That's considered yeah. dope. That's entertainment, right? If yeah. you're, you know, Ricky Gervais or Chris Rock or somebody, and you're spreading comedy and like the whole world loves you, then it's not, doesn't really seem like an ego play. But if you're just sitting in your backyard talking about <laughs> your cats and having conversations about cats, I like nobody cares, bro. Like, now if you build your audience around that, that's dope. But that's up to you to build and curate your audience. Yeah. This is not a shortcut for you to become famous. I just want yeah, to that, that, that's good. Like that what clear. What is the you should do, ask yourself kind of what is the thresholds? Like how 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 relevant is your older content? How dated is it? So like what you know, what is the actual quality of your video content? And then, you know, and then if if both of those are like still fairly relevant, still evergreen, the quality is great, like is adding in all of those episodes, those past episodes going to hurt the new episodes that you've been building and growing specifically on YouTube. So you're going to have to kind of walk yeah. those lines and ask yourself all those questions. And the, the third thing is if you're an audio only podcast, that's recently switched into video or started, you know, in on YouTube as video, don't at all do that because then, you know, then you're just pulling in audio with just like a thumbnail and that's awful for YouTube. So there are definitely things to consider as you're thinking through. And this is again, like a, Think of it as an RSS feed specifically as do you want to syndicate your podcast out on YouTube being aware of what that means? So what does your full catalog that, you know, your existing RSS feed, what, what is that going to look like on YouTube to that audience? Now, here, here's where it also is kind of rubbish to me. And this is just my thinking and you can think about it the way you think it, but this is how I approach the thought. If I'm coming in from the YouTube application, I have mm -hmm. an expectation of seeing a video. Yeah. When I get to it and it's a still image, because that's what's yeah. going to happen, it's just going to be like the flow, and I'm going to be like this, and Katie's going to be like <laughs> this, and there'll be no image. Yeah, I'm going to be like, but I thought I was looking at a video, like, and it click yeah. away. So now yeah. what this is doing, if you care, now this quick click away is jacking up your your YouTube retention. Yeah. Right? YouTube's implementation is dumb because of. <laughs> if they allowed me to import that RSS feed and then open up the editor in YouTube Studio and add the video, that would be dope. They don't let you do that. You're going to get a static image for what was actually a video podcast if you're bringing in the old ones and you don't have the old videos, you're only yeah. going to get the audio version of that and you're going to, you no place to upload the video. So like yeah. I've always recorded every podcast since 2009, every podcast I've ever done, I've always recorded a video anyway, because I yeah. knew better, but I have no way of bringing those podcasts and adding the video to it. Once I uploaded the YouTube, it's a static freaking image. And there is a different expectation. It's why yeah. you don't post TikTok videos on Instagram because mm -hmm. the behavior on that platform is different. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you really, you have to think about the audience and what, and what their expectation is and, and what the purpose of the platform is as well too. So like YouTube is doing this to try to appeal to the larger podcasting 
audience and to try to, you know, to try to kind of check that box, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best thing for their, for their users, for your show, for you as a YouTube user. So it is definitely worthwhile taking a look at and thinking now, about. Here, here's what I would do. This is spitballing ideas here. Now we're getting into opinion section. Okay, people. <laughs> Welcome I tried to, to keep, opinion. <laughs> I tried to keep it as factual as possible because I wanted to take, I want to get you guys to learn that because the facts suck doesn't mean it's something against you. Your feelings shouldn't be hurt. It's just some things are dumb. And yeah. this implementation is semi-dumb. So, Danny even agreed with me the YouTube implementation is semi-dumb. Because yeah. the YouTube's platform is designed for visual watching. And they want you to import thousands of old audio content that people are going to get a still image to. Now, mm -hmm. before I get into my what I would do, let me think about this. If I were a company that specializes in search and specializes in generating AI from data that now I have the ability to scrub an audio file and turn that data into stuff that I can use to backfeed my AI engine. Wouldn't it be really cute if I took the media portion of my company and said, how about we tell millions of people to upload all of their old audio files? <laughs> that would really help them. Yeah. Them. Right. Yeah. If I'm a search engine and I needed to know all the knowledge of all the things in all of the world, yeah. wouldn't it be really nice if our audience could upload five years of old Murray guitar review podcast. <laughs> that would be really helpful uh, for them. Murray yeah. will get a lot out of this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Conspiracy hat. Bye-bye. Now we're backfeeding the Bard engine. <laughs> Here's what I would do. If you go through your old catalog, just answer. You don't have to sit there and listen to them. You made them. If there's any yeah. of them that are so dope that they deserve to be on there, recreate them today. Recreate as a video. them. Yep. Yeah. Like legit recreate mm -hmm. them. Be like, uh, we're going to rediscover an episode where we talked about the benefits of selecting the right microphone. Now we covered this in season one and season two, but this is such an evergreen topic. We're going to cover it again. And this time we're doing it as a video. So I'm going to be able to show you some things hands-on the audio people. Hey, still listen to the show. There'll be lots of information. However, if you want to see what I'm showing and what these XLR connectors look like and why this microphone and how you should approach it, Go over to our YouTube feed on YouTube Music or YouTube.com and make sure you check out the video version of this podcast. Bingo, bango, pickle, mango. What do podcasters do? Oh, I'm running out of episode ideas. <laughs> yeah, Solve. go back through your old catalog. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. You can even Go bonus, back, you can even see the it. analytics. You can see which ones performed the best as audio only and only do those ones. Like figure out what were the popular topics. Use the use your metrics to your to your advantage. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's a really great idea. I mean, you could if you're like Doc and you have all of the video files and you're using Synology or something awesome to store them so that you can pull them back down. You could actually go through all those and you could even using Ecamm and your amazing organization with Synology, you could recreate the episode, but drop in clips from the original episode as well if you want. So it's kind of a fun nod where it was like, you know, 
this is what I said back then, clip. <laughs> and then, you know, this is what the updated information is now. There's a lot that you could do, even repurposing some of that original content if you want. So you could either completely recreate it or you could you could do kind of a hybrid and mix in some of the old content. Okay, so here's a great question for Maury. I'm not laughing at you, Maury. I'm laughing with you. <laughs> Maury's question is, this is actually a good one. Is YouTube aiming to deliver audio episodes to compete with Apple? No. Apple's not even compete with Apple. How much money does Apple make on podcasts? None. That's a good question. Well, they yeah. make some. You okay, mm -hmm. when you're a 300 like uh what is it? 300 almost 3 trillion dollar company, you're not making money on podcasts. They get 30% of the cut of the people that sell subscriptions. There is a handful of podcasts that sell subscriptions. And we're yeah. talking, you got to be dope. You got to be Chris Rock, Trevor <laughs> Noah. Actually, he's on Wondery. Um, like, if Spotless, my boys, decided to do a subscription-only sort of Patreon-esque thing, and they had those podcasts on Apple, Apple would get a 30% cut of that. They're not doing that, though. Most of yeah. the big guys don't do that because their money doesn't come from that. They're paid for their show before their... Um, <laughs> The video dad made me laugh. Sorry. Um, they, yeah, Apple, Apple doesn't really make a lot of money on podcasts. If they made say $2 million a year on podcasts, that would be amazing. And it sounds like a lot to us, but not when we're talking about a $3 trillion company, how yeah. much is 2 million in the court of a $3 trillion company? The other thing to consider though, which is why Maury, your question is actually it, it's a good one because it means that you're you're thinking all of this through. And I love this because I'm the kind of person that just reads things too quickly and, and makes decisions. So I like this is good for us all to be publicly thinking this through. But I, the other thing, too, to consider is that YouTube doesn't need to worry at all about audio only, because if you think even about how people consume YouTube content and YouTube music app, which now has the podcast like tab within it. So like on my phone, for example, I, I don't ever listen to Spotify or Apple or anything else. I'm, I live entirely in the YouTube music app. It doesn't matter whether or not it's video or audio because you can toggle back and forth between the two. If they have your video, they can just play the audio. You can set your phone down. You can leave your computer open. You can minimize tabs. And if you're if you're paying for YouTube, which uh, you know a huge percentage of people are, the audio is going to play regardless of whether or not you're watching the video. So you know, I think they don't. They they've already kind of checked the audio box, and I I can't imagine that they would be. And I, I see your redefined question. I, I don't know if they necessarily need to compete in the audio only game because they are already there. If people want to consume audio only on YouTube, they absolutely can. And many people do both music and podcasts. So yeah, I mean, what they really need to do is to continue to redefine how people are creating and consuming video because they already can take the audio out of it in the same way that when you create a video on Ecamm, you can grab the audio really quickly. <laughs> like you don't really need to like strip the audio down. You end up with the audio file and you end up with a video file. You can take that audio file, send it anywhere because you've already created the video. Whereas you can't create a video out of an audio only file. So because they've started with video, it's way easier for them on the audio side. Okay. Now I will say everything you said is 478% true. Yes. I'm winning. <laughs> 2024, baby. But understand this. How does YouTube make money? YouTube sells advertisements. Ads, yeah. yeah. 
Although there's a, I forgot what the current upload cycle is. I think it's something like 50,000 uploads a minute. Mm -hmm. If you tell millions of podcasters to upload all of their old episodes, you just added a massive amount of content for you to mm -hmm. sell ads against. Yeah. You backfilled your new AI project. You have more data for search. You have more retention on the app. That means when the app is open, the app doesn't close because it doesn't matter if it's audio or video. Yeah. And you go to your advertisers and say, not only do we have 2 billion active users, we just added another 4 billion hours worth of content in the last month. How did you do yeah. that? You know, we have our tricks. All of their yeah. statements are factual to the people they're selling ads to, but all they mm -hmm. really did was allow Murray and Video Dad and Danny Brown and Andy <laughs> to upload all of their old podcasts. Yeah, it's true. So, like, Americans have this thing of belittling competitions to somebody must be copying somebody, somebody must be doing this to compete with somebody. Like, we generate what I like to call zebra. You know, it's either black <laughs> or white type yeah. conversations. Uh uh, we do. We generate. We work really good in bifurcation, and we work uh, really good in building vertical silos of either A or B. It's Xbox or PlayStation. Way doper consoles out there, but we'll get mm -hmm. stuck in Xbox PlayStation. We'll yeah. get stuck in you know Cowboys versus Patriots kind of crap, and mm -hmm. that's not how the world works. The world is a little bit more Swiss Army knife than we we think so, right? Yeah. We it's it's more. A bunch of different things. So, no, YouTube could give a crap what Apple's doing. I don't think they even focus on Apple. They're not in the same parlance. Apple sells hardware and services. YouTube sells advertisement. Yep. Now, yep. that being said, completely to just run back to what Katie said, YouTube Premium, YouTube Music, cancel Spotify. Spotify is crap. We don't pay their <laughs> artists. It's absolute trash. We really should stop supporting Spotify in general. Yeah. They, yeah. I have tons of friends in the music video. I mean, music business, as you know, I was a DJ for almost 30 years. Spotify is the bane of existence to artists. So you kind of should yeah. stop using that stuff. And YouTube music is way better anyway. Um, so the main thing is, should you use it? Yes. Sparingly though. I would say it's yeah. better for you to manually upload. And I understand why everybody wants to do this because yes, it's easy. Yes, Danny, Xbox is obvious. I'm with you. <laughs> it, every, I know everybody wants to do it because it's easy, but everything easy shouldn't be done. It's easy to go to McDonald's because it's harder to cook. But if yep. you do that all the time, you die. So yep. like, it's better for you to curate your old catalog and put them in a section at the bottom of your playlist on YouTube is these are my old stuff. You might find some gems in here. I yep. think that's better. I yep. think anything that's old, that's beneficial, recreate that, modernize it, update it, bring it to the, to the forefront. If it's an old interview you can't get again, that's you saying you can't get again. How about you call up that person and go, man, remember Mark? I interviewed Mark uh, from Captivate. I could mm -hmm. be like, hey, Mark, man, it's been two years since we did that interview with you and I. Maybe we should do an interview swap. You come back on. Let's talk about the future of it, yeah. where you see as the owner of Captivate. And I'll come yep. back and argue with you about Star Wars on, on Rebel Base. Bet, bet, boom. You know what I mean? You're telling yourself you can't redo that interview, right? Yeah. Maybe unless the person is no longer walking the earth, you probably can redo that interview. 
And yep. if you listen to shows like my favorites, like um, Freakonomics, they will play a three-year-old episode because something happened in the world today that matches a three-year episode and they'll republish it as a rebroadcast. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So how do you rebroadcast an audio podcast and modernize it? You come on at your table, full screen, lights blinking in the background. Be like, hey, this is Doc for the Flow. A couple years ago in our initial podcast, we talked about some things that I think are very relevant today. So I'm going to play this audio file for you and then I'm going to come back on the end and I'm going to give you some updates. So please enjoy the show. Now you're going to see a, a bunch of B-roll happening right now over this clip because it was an audio only version, but I'll come mm -hmm. back at the end and I'll talk to you about the modern updates. So we'll see you in say 36 minutes. All right. Yeah. Enjoy the show. Let that exactly. play. Yep. Go to your B-roll place, steal a bunch of B-roll, throw it on top, whatever. Make static image, move things around, whatever. Easily done in Ecamm. And mm -hmm. then come back on at the end. And then you don't have to sit there because you already have the recording. Uh, you come back at the end and you give your modern updates, your modern inputs, or you can interject them in cuts. So you can play like 10 minutes, stop, yeah, explain. Exactly. Another 10 minutes, stop, explain. So you can recreate that episode, a.k.a. 96 Ways to Repurpose Stephanie uh, Garcia. Uh, you can repurpose purpose that as a fresh episode in probably 20, 30 minutes. Yep. That's more valuable to your audience than you playing some old stuff because it's easy for you. If you keep yep. working on what's easy for you, you will absolutely fail. Yep. Feed your audience, not your ego. Ooh, new shirt. I'm working <laughs> on that. I need, I need a new well, shirt. That that's it. That I think that's the that's the final point. Welcome back <laughs> to the flow. We have a couple of exciting episodes coming up over the next couple of weeks. We have some special guests. So we're gonna be talking all about pod page next week because we have a new pod page website. So definitely swing over to flow.ecam.com. And then the week after we're talking about a, a really cool new audio tool called Zound X. O-U-N-D. So yeah, a couple of really fun stuff upcoming. And as always, send us your voicemails, letting us know what episodes you want us to do, what you want us to do uh, next. We would love to see those. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this new year. Definitely don't check that RSS feed box unless you've really thought about it there on YouTube. That's the, that's the succinct answer here from us at The Flow. And first of all, Murray, thanks for the question because it definitely needed to be question. talked about. Yeah, I, I I looked. All of the people just talked about it like it's a great thing because it sounds like a great thing, but it might not be. And yeah. I I talk to my community all the time about like be careful about running a hundred miles an hour the wrong direction. So yep. again, do it if you want to. That's up to you. <laughs> I wanted to tell you what the caveats were in case and just understand the reason why. RSS will stick around for us back-end nerds, but mm -hmm. audiences don't really use RSS feeds. Audiences don't really consume RSS feeds. Most people don't even listen. Okay, here's the ego pump, and this is something that you'll learn from Robert Limson. People will say, my podcast gets 50,000 downloads, but how many people listen? Like when you try to sell an ad, and then yeah. uh, we just went through an ad buying process and mm -hmm. Katie learned that downloads are jack. They don't mean anything mm -hmm. yeah. because if you have an RSS feed, RSS reader, rather, sorry, your podcast app or your 
Feedly or Feedburner or Reader or Apple News or whatever, mm-hmm. every time you upload an episode, it automatically gets downloaded to your phone. A bunch of you guys have a whole phone full of episodes you have not listened to. And then mm-hmm. after three come down, the fourth one gets deleted. Yep. So when you look in your phone, you have a whole bunch of downloads that you elevated somebody's ego with, but yep. you didn't actually listen. You have no idea what they said. So it's a false uh, analytics. It's a false metric, so, yeah. So, so the companies that are good, if you go to buy ads, this is something you should know. If you go to buy ads on a network, make sure you're getting how many people actually listen to the episode yep. and what analytics show that. Because mm-hmm. it's better to know who's listening, not downloads. I bet you there's downloads for This American Life has probably more downloads than any other show, but not that mm-hmm. many people still listening to that per se. You know what I mean? Because it was automatically, oh, and you got a phone and you open up the podcast app, it was automatically added. And it, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's like Netscape. Netscape Navigator had more downloads than any other browser. That's because it came with a computer. Yeah. Until yeah. it did until until Microsoft blew it up. <laughs> but you know, so yeah, <laughs> be be careful of those metrics that make you feel good that don't really flex your audience per se. So yes, be uh, very aware of that. All right, I'm done. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I love it. This was a good one. Thanks so much for the that great, was a question, great Maury. question, Maury. Yeah, Murray Murray came through with the question. So you yeah. guys know what to do, right? Katie said, go leave us a voicemail or leave us yep. a uh uh, input on the website. I got a question. Yep. And then flow.ecam.com. Roll our credits, Luis. There we go. Look at that. Look how good hey. it looks. <laughs> oh, let's, if you go to the site, leave us feedback on the new site. Uh, Katie worked her butt skis off on that. And it's kind of amazing. She did it by her lonesome. She didn't even ask us for any nerd help. So easy. Yeah, that's how easy it was. <laughs> We're going to talk about it next week. Yeah. Super dope. And then we like to thank Captivate. For hosting our podcast, Captivate is audio only because it's still a thing and it is amazing and I love it. And we get have people like Danny Brown and Sarah to come <laughs> in and, and uh, hang out with us all the time. And we love Captivate. It is the easiest. And again, the reason why I love Captivate is because they are focused on helping you actually grow your podcast. So make sure you go and check out Captivate.fm. We also want to give a big shout out to Speedify for helping us mm-hmm. uh, keep our internets connected, especially on a day like today when it probably would have dropped because Mel is somewhere in the other island in Hawaii messing up my internet. Oh, <laughs> that's why we live record and our live audience is kind enough to put up with some of our tech issues and then Luis edits it and it looks beautiful when it releases. <laughs> so that's the fun of, of creating hey. a show. And all we have to do is give him ham and manchegos. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I didn't. All right, it's the first one we, for the year. I know we did it. I, I don't think we missed any questions. We were sort we of answering them, them live. Yeah, I think we covered them all. So thank you, everyone. And yeah, next week we'll be talking all about PodPage and then the week after Zound. And then, I don't know, maybe we need to have the, maybe we need to talk about podcast buying, ad buying. That might be a fun episode, too. Ooh. All right, here you guys, you guys ready? I've been waiting to do this for like the last three weeks. Flow Riders, out. Out. <laughs>
calling all campers, Leslie Samuel here, your camp director, back again to get you pumped up for something awesome. It's that time again, it's time for Creator Camp 2024. We took everything you loved from last year and stepped it up a notch. Yet we're back and better and man oh man, we're excited to have you join us. Now you may be asking, what's in store for this year's Creator Camp? Well, let me paint a picture for you. Imagine an epic kickoff party where new friendships spark and old ones rekindle. Imagine rubbing shoulders with not just the awesome workshop leaders, but also the amazing Ecamm team. Imagine having interactive, hands-on sessions where industry leaders share insights in fields that you're passionate about. Well, you just imagine Creator Camp 2024. Reconnect with the Ecamm fam, and of course, meals and beverages are all a part of your journey with us. Expect exciting activities and local excursions. What is it gonna be this time? Wine tasting, scavenger hunt, an evening of stargazing? <laughs> I'm not telling, at least not yet. This year's Creator Camp isn't just an event, it's an adventure. The Ecamm fam is taking over Amesbury, Massachusetts again, and trust me, you wanna be right there in the middle of the magic. So pack up your essentials, your laptop, your camera, and of course your energy, and gear up for an unforgettable escapade at Creator Camp 2024. We can't wait to see all your smiling faces back together again. We'll see you at Creator Camp. Let's do this.